From Ticker Tape, this is Where's My Money? The Metaverse. You may have heard of the term, or you may have watched Mark Zuckerberg's presentation of this potential new world. In Mark Zuckerberg's mind, the Metaverse will be a virtual world where we strap on a headset and immerse ourselves within for hours on end. You may work and have meetings in the Metaverse. You may be able to travel to your favorite destinations or even periods of time through the Metaverse. You may do your daily exercise or even meet your friends on the Metaverse. And if Mark Zuckerberg's vision does in fact become a reality with this technology, there's going to be a paradigm shift in the way we live our lives. Just like how the phone changed everything for us, this new world might just do the same. And whenever there is a shift at this sort of scale, new businesses, industries, and jobs that have never even been thought of in the past will appear. What are those industries? And will this technology really be a huge part of our lives? Stick with us, we've got you covered. To discuss the metaverse, we spoke to Varun Maya, who's the CEO of Scenes. And we started with context. What is the metaverse? I think the metaverse is basically 3D multiplayer environments. They're essentially games, right? I mean, the same games we played 10 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, when 3D first came out, except in a multiplayer real-time fashion. To be honest, we've always had glimpses of the metaverse, like the Quake games. It's this online multiplayer game, right? So me and five of my friends, we get together in the evening and we just game, right? So for us, that was the metaverse. And they wouldn't call me Varud, they would call me what my gamer tag was. And when we were in the game, I would be my character. So that was real to us, right? And we took it very seriously. If we lost, then we'd play better the next game because it was, the character was us for that period of time. So I think the metaverse is, is like you, but a persistent version of you. Now with a face and an avatar, with 3D really improving and the internet really, you know, getting to speeds where you can be online all the time and you don't, you'll never have like buffer or bandwidth issues in the next like three, four years. You can actually have this alternate digital identity, which is 3D in nature. And I think that's what Mark Zuckerberg means when he says the word metaverse. And I feel like that's what most of the world also means. Varun, could you visualize this for our listeners? You mentioned briefly about how this will be a 3D and augmented reality. But yeah. give our listeners a little bit of a look and feel, if they haven't watched a video about it, of what these characters will really represent and how it's potentially a little bit, how it's progressed from those Dota games to where it could be in the future. So a little bit of history here, right? Actually, I'll tell it in the form of a story because people hate like history. So one of the first games I ever played, and I'm sure you've played and a few others have played, is the game Road Rash. Road Rash, very popular, been around for a long time. But the characters in Road Rash were 2D characters. We call them sprites. And every sprite that you create, whether it's the Road Rash games or the original Mortal Kombat games or the original Street Fighter games, all of them have a limited range of movements they can make. And those are pre-drawn. So that Road Rash character, I remember his movements, right? You can lean in forward when you're going fast. You can kick somebody. You can use a chain or something. This is all the Road Rash character had, right? He had like four or five animations. And... The thing is, every time a new animation needs to be put into the game, somebody needs to draw it, which is taxing. It's really painful. Then in the 90s, we had 3D games. So 3D is essentially just math. You're saying that, hey, I am going to draw this character, but in a 3D software where it's not just a flat character, but I can now see the character from the left, from the right, from the top. And the way we plot out or the way the character looks consistent is that the parts of mesh are consistent and persistent in time and space, right? So let's say 
there is the character's head starts at 0,0,0. No matter what angle or direction you look at it from, that character's, that part of the head is always going to be there, right? So essentially what's happening is you have persistence and then we kind of created the concept of rigging in 3D, right? Rigging is basically the idea of having joints and bones. So now what you can do is if you need a new animation, unlike Road Rash where you were limited with four animations and anytime you needed more animations, the artist has to draw some more. Here, you can programmatically move the character's bones. And because the bones and the mesh are kind of associated with each other, the mesh moves along. So you can actually make the character wave and say hi, right? Just by moving those bones to those locations, right? And the mesh moves along, along with it. So it's a very, uh, you know, foolproof solution because now you can make the character do anything, right? You can make the character dance, you can make the character run around, you can move parts of the face, you can have dimples show up. Now, when you're speaking, your video camera or whatever camera inside of, let's say, a VR device, because VR devices have cameras that can look at the world, but they also have cameras where they can figure out where your hands are. Those same cameras can figure out what expressions your mouth and your eyes are making. Eventually they will, right? So now in VR, you could be expressive, as expressive as you want. And it translates across. Because what happens if you get a 3D character in a 3D world and that person doesn't express, then it feels dead. It doesn't feel lifelike. Basically what's happening is, is there's you and me in a 3D world. And obviously I have my own internet connection. You have your own internet connection. Maybe you're in Timbuktu, I'm in Bangalore. What can happen is the position of all your vertices could be transferred over via the internet to me. And my graphic card can now build you up in real time. And all this happens in, the, in a flash, right? So that's how I know where you are and you, uh, your hands can move and we can shake hands in 3D and stuff. Uh, we don't have the tactile component yet where we can feel what the other person's feeling. And Facebook's really working on that. They, they're calling it the haptic gloves or something like that, where you can actually now feel objects. The only thing I want to touch on lightly before we go into the potential opportunities and, and the way the metaverse will evolve eventually is you spoke of this immersive experience that may or may not be indistinguishable from reality. Could you speak about how we will interact with that immersive experience? So basically through AR and VR, could you just speak about that bridge of AR and VR slightly more? So virtual reality is essentially a screen strapped to your face. That's what it is, right? And I remember Elon Musk put out a tweet saying that when we were young, we were told not to look at screens, not to go too close. And now we're just like putting them right on our face, right? So it's just screens tapped to your face, but those screens are really powerful. They're like 4K. But there are a few problems with VR, right? The first problem is walking. How far can you walk in VR? How many, how many of us have houses that are 20,000 square feet? Think about the space behind you. Like you can't walk very far. So if you were to play a game of cricket in VR, you'd hit the ball and then you wouldn't be able to run, right? So VR has to solve the running problem or the walking problems. How do you walk outside your boundaries? And there are some unique solutions. Like one is just allow the person to press a button on his controller. So right now we have controllers, eventually we have gloves, but with controller, just press a button and that button allows you to move forward. But that's not realistic, right? So a lot of people are working on like these treadmills and stuff, but I don't think those are going to get popular because think about it, right? The more you have to suit up to get into VR, the less likely you are to do it. We are lazy people, right? And we want something where you can just press a button and it works. So I don't think we will suit up and wear that, you know, get into a treadmill to kind of get into VR. It's just too much effort. So I'm sure they'll figure something else out. But until then, we have the controllers to kind of move. Let's just pause here for a second to make sure that we're all on the exact same page about what the metaverse really is. 
Now, while there are multiple definitions and interpretations and even forms that the metaverse could take in the future, what Mark Zuckerberg and his team presented was a 3D world that you could step into simply by wearing virtual reality goggles. And with the way these goggles have been built, your visual and auditory senses are completely immersed. And if you haven't seen exactly what this looks like, it's basically a huge pair of sunglasses and a pair of headphones that you wear. And when you put on your headset, you basically enter what you could visualize as a 3D game. And because the technology has advanced so far, the sensors in the VR headset are able to mimic your real-life movements. So everything you're actually doing in real life is then created through animation on the metaverse. So in theory, everything you could do in the real world, and truly much more, can be done on the metaverse. And Mark Zuckerberg predicts that that is the future of social media. And he also predicts we will begin to work and conduct a lot of our daily activities, like exercise and social gatherings, on the metaverse. Now, before we touch on the business opportunities that we can expect to arrive from the metaverse, let's expand on the current and possible limitations of this technology moving forward. There are two big problems with VR right now, right? Solvable problems. The first one is battery. Like the quest only lasts two hours at best. And secondly, it's the fact that it's just too big. It's like a bulky device, strapping it onto your face is so difficult. So I feel like eventually in like four or five years, the form factor is going to be like a pair of glasses. Just put on your glasses and remember, these glasses have sensors so they can tell where all your fingers are. The Quest can already do this, by the way. You can use the Quest without controllers. It's a little bit janky. It's not perfect. And there's no tactile feedback, obviously. Do you feel there will be mass adoption, um, at least in some part of our lives, into this metaverse that Facebook's calling it? I think the only way to get mass adoption, and I'm going to sound like an evil person here, right? <laughs> For a second. But the only way to get mass adoption, my opinion, is to make AR lenses. You put it right into your eyes, so it doesn't feel like you're constantly like burdened with a suit or like something on your face and head. So I feel that might be the best way to get mass adoption because you're wearing it all the time. Or, you know, some other way where it's like sort of mixed reality. Now, the current issues around VR center around how easy they are to use. It's a bulky headset that, as Varun mentioned, is just a screen strapped onto your face. In Varun's opinion, for adoption to really take off, it needs to be incredibly easy to use. But within this whole metaverse conversation, there's also a technology called augmented reality or AR. So far, we've mainly touched on virtual reality in this episode. But just for context, before we jump in and conclude with the opportunities that Varun sees coming from the metaverse, we'll quickly explain the difference between AR and VR. Simply put, AR uses a real-world setting, and VR is completely virtual. So for example, if you've ever used an Instagram filter on your photos while taking them, that's AR in action, augmenting reality through technology. Whereas in virtual reality, you put on your goggles and you are truly immersed in a new virtual world. Now, finally, let's touch on the key use cases and areas where Varun feels will grow as a result of the metaverse. I think the killer use case for VR and not AR, but VR is going to be games. Right? I think AR, it's better to play tabletop games with friends. There's a game in VR called Demio. I don't know how you pronounce it. Demio, Demio, whatever. It's a new game, right? It's a tabletop simulator. You and four friends actually get a table in front of you. You can actually play. Have you heard of the game Catan? Yes, I have. Yeah, so you can play Catan in VR. Mm. It's like tabletop, right? Like your friends might not be around you, but when they put on their headset, they're on the other side of the table. 
So your hands can kind of interact because like I told you, VR knows exactly where your hands are, right? Because of the controllers. So you can actually play Catan with your friends over VR. You mentioned gaming, but are there any other industries or businesses that you feel will arise or industries real uh, that will arise? Real estate. Yeah, please yeah. go into real estate. Because all, I mean, think about how we do demos today. Right? Like suppose I want to buy a house. What are you going to do? You're going to call me. I'll have to drive like half an hour waste petrol, sit in the traffic, and then you're going to show me a house which I may or may not buy. Imagine me just strapping on goggles and saying, I want to go to this house and see what it's like. And then I actually get to see the interiors. You make it as realistic as possible. And then I decide to evaluate whether I want that house or not. It's already being used, by the way, in the real estate space. Right? In fact, a lot of properties, if you look at their website, will have like a VR sort of run-through or walk-through, which you can just kind of put on your headset and, and look through. It's not that good, but it will get better over time. I want to end with one question, Varun. If a listener who's tuning into this podcast wants to get more involved or wants to think about the metaverse more deeply, what questions do you think they should be asking themselves while thinking about you know, what the future is going to shape out to be? Yeah, I think there's no replacement of building things. Like if you build something in VR and AR, to get into VR, all you have to do is download either Unity or Unreal Engine. Both are free. They've, Unreal Engine has like 5% license where only if you make money, you pay them. And only if you make 100K USD plus. So both are free and you can just like build games. Just build something, right? And Unreal has a like a VR template. You can just start with a VR template. But I think before that, you need to buy a Quest. I think Quest 2. It's the cheapest way to get into VR. It's, I think, 33,000 rupees now. You just need a little bit of space in your house. And you can connect that quest to your Unreal Engine and build experiences, build like a level for yourself. You don't need to write any code. You just place your starting location. Just watch a beginner level Unreal tutorial. I have two YouTube channels. I have a YouTube channel called Varumaya Level 2, where I have like a 50-episode Unreal series. So just go through it. Build something for yourself, put yourself in an environment and you feel like God for a second because you build something and now you're, you're inside that. Like if I was a proverbial God, right? I would create a world and I would enter the world as a human being. Just have fun. You can build whatever experience you want. And I think it's a great commercial opportunity as well because if you look at the Oculus Quest app store, it's empty. There's very little going on there. So go and populate it and you will make money just like the earliest guys who made you know, content and apps for the App Store and Play Store. I'm talking about mobile phones. Right? The first few guys made a lot of money and I'm very sure that you guys can also make a lot of money. We're still at the earliest stages of this technology being built. And even Mark Zuckerberg, in his keynote introducing the metaverse, mentioned that a lot of these things that we spoke about will take at least another 10 years before we see them come alive. And he's also mentioned that he has yet to fully understand the incredible opportunity that the metaverse could bring. Because as with every radical technology shift, a lot of new industries that will arise haven't even been conceptualized yet. But as Varun mentions, there is a huge opportunity in this space as we are at the very beginning of all of this. And if you want to be an innovator in this space, really think about how this new world can and will pan out. And you may potentially be able to build the next groundbreaking idea. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Where's My Money by Ticker Tape. On this show, we simplify the finance landscape in India for you. So if you're looking to venture into stock investing, sort out your personal finance or make sense of how economic developments can impact your money, this podcast will be a perfect addition to your morning commute or household chores. Also, if you enjoyed the episode and want more of this, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform to never miss an episode. 
And last but not least, consider downloading the Ticker Tape app. It is an investment analysis platform for stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, and much more. The link and further description will be in the show notes below. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we will see you in the next one.